0: We're walking together as equal partners in the parent-child relationship and really creating a safe space for our children to be who they are without without our ego you know, in place, directing the show so they make us proud. Uh, they go to a school that we want them to go to. They are on the teams that we want them to be on. They're, they're doing all the sports that we did because that's, that's what's important and following our dreams. And as parents do that, and, and I was one of them years ago, we're squashing the spirit of the child, number one, and will we ever be able to find that spirit again? Once we squash it, how do we reconnect to that spirit?
1: Okay, hi everybody, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. Um, I'm Dr. John Duffy, I'm your host today, and I, uh, as always, appreciate you protecting some time for myself and my guests. I do not take it lightly, I promise you. just a quick note on why we are the Undo Anxiety Podcast, as opposed to being called something else. Um, we are finding that the more we talk to people and the more we share our stories, we lift taboos and undo some of the undue anxiety that we all seem to suffer in one way or another. So um, with that in mind, I welcome my two esteemed guests, um, Aaron and Sue. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about them. Um, so buckle in because they, these are impressive resumes here. So I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Erin uh, first. Erin Taylor is a conscious living thought leader, therapist, PCI certified parent coach and educator, author and co-founder of Building Connected Communities with Sue. She holds a Master of Arts in Counseling Psychology and is the author of Connection and Kindness, The Key to Changing the World Through Parenting. Her writings have been featured in South Jersey Mom Magazine and Natural Awakenings Magazine. Erin um, was able to take the tragedy of the death of her infant daughter and turn it around using her hard-earned wisdom to help people from all walks of life step into their power and live their best lives. Erin, thank you for joining me here.
2: Thank you, John, for having us.
1: OK. Um, and Sue, Sue DeCaro is a PCI-certified parent coach. Um, as well and an educator focused on conscious living and loving she is a public speaker writer trainer and co-founder of building connected communities with erin with a bachelor's of arts in psychology sue has run and operated a multi-million dollar company serving many fortune 500 companies she was able to take the challenges she experienced raising her own daughters to help her transform relationships between parents and children so they can create deep connected relationships with each other. Writings by both Aaron and Sue have been featured in a Wall Street Journal and USA Today best-selling book and have been viewed by millions of people, millions, on simplereminders.com. They have both presented at events featuring Nobel Peace Prize nominee Bryant McGill, Dr. Shefali Mary Marianne Williamson, Neil Donald Walsh, Don Miguel Ruiz, Anise Anita Murjani and John O'Sullivan, as well as numerous podcasts, including, thankfully, this one, and radio shows. In addition, they are both directors of Bryant McGill's Thought Leader School. My gosh, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sue, for joining me as well.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
1: Yes. You are both very, very busy people, so I do um, appreciate you protecting some time here. take me to the beginning of the story first of all how do you how do you know each other I'm kind of curious about that
0: that's a that's a fabulous question and of course that's how it all began and we'd love to share our story with you um, basically with my challenges in raising my girls it led me to go back to school and get a master's level certification in parent coaching and I you know, researched schools and ended up at the PCI, which is a year long program through Seattle University's master's program. And in the first week, I believe, um, Aaron Taylor, who also uh, took the course, um, he and I were matched up as study buddies. I've been out of school for a long time, John. And so to hear the word study buddy is like, study buddy. <laughs> I better great. strap on here because this could be a, a big ride. And so <laughs> I and I we're connected as study buddies. And so we started speaking to each other or with each other ongoing to process and do the work that we were supposed to do um, in conjunction or collaboration. And so As we did that, um, we realized that we really liked each other and a friendship was blossoming. And about six months into our schooling, we actually met for the first time. And um, and so from there, we graduated at the end of the year. It was a year-long program and began, uh, committed ourselves to working together in doing workshops all over the tri-state area, which is Delaware, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey, all in the United States. And, um, you know, as far reach as we could possibly go over time. And yeah. so that's what really led us to, you know, to, to our start and working together. And, um, you know, we have very strong, Erin. I'm sure I can speak for you, a very strong relationship. We're very, very good friends as well as business partners.
1: That's that's an amazing story. I, I, I love that. I can tell um, having... Um, the good fortune of having met you at the Zen Parenting Conference earlier this year, I can tell you guys are, are, are kindred spirits. Um, I'm taken by the idea that that you, um, Aaron, maybe you can speak to this—that you knew each other six months vicariously before you met face to face. Do I follow that right?
2: Yes. And the really funny thing is, we, which we'll get into later, I'm sure we work very closely together in all of the different enterprises that we're involved in. And even though we live about an hour and 20 minutes from each other, we hardly ever see each other. So it's really kind of funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, so um, broadly speaking, so, you know, like I am um, years ago, I went through a coaching certification program um, that was very broad because I really didn't know what I wanted to specialize in. And so, you know, I didn't have a niche in mind or anything like that. How did you pick this messy business of parenting as opposed to like, you know, executive coaching or something that was going to net you a fortune, uh, you know, or something that was a little less complicated? Why parenting of all things?
0: Well, I think for me, um, you know, again, having really struggled, uh, my children are almost 23 and 19. And so, you know, I've been through a lot through the years, a lot of, you know, transitions with the, uh, you know, the spreading of technology in so many different facets of our world as my kids were growing up. And there was a lot of challenges that I had with my beautiful spirited older daughter. And Mm -hmm. so as we moved through those challenges, you know, I realized that I wish I had a parent coach really all those years, somebody to really support me. Um, We saw numerous therapists, you know, to try to really help do the best that we could do. And so as I moved through that, I realized I'm not the only one you know there are massive numbers of people that are really struggling more than not I think in today's society in raising children and it's a really difficult thing today all over yeah. the world and the second piece of it is I think it's very difficult and I, I know you can attest to this we've talked about this before to be a child today so you've got these two things come you know these two two levels of well we don't want to call them levels but Two different facets of human beings coming together in a relationship that if we don't start creating connections, you know, all over the world with children in a stronger way, in a more, you know, authentic, really deeper way, you know, these, the problems that we're seeing in the world are just going to continue to grow and melt. So I really, that, that passion was very strong and I really wanted to dedicate my life to taking my experiences and the hope that I can shed for parents and all that I've been through, you know, get the schooling to back it up and the certification, which was extremely valuable, extremely helpful to yeah. do what I can do to, to make a shift all over the world because uh, yeah. Aaron and I both coach people anywhere and everywhere.
1: You know, I I, I love Sue that you yeah. highlight that divide between our, our generation and our children's generation and, and how, Difficult it is to navigate. In a way, I, I reflect back on like you know how I was parented, my friends were parented a generation ago, and I'm surprised that there wasn't this emphasis on parenting then to the point where there was coaching. And, and being a therapist that works with uh, children, your kids' age my kids' age, um, you know, uh, I, I find that boy, it, I, I really want to talk to the parents. You know, I feel like you know I'm this kind of vicarious parents of these kids and I want I want their parents to fill this role I want them to have the joy of seeing these kids um, the way I see them um, uh, Aaron how, how, how did this all play out for you you know like do, do you do you feel similarly or do, do you feel a little differently about all that
2: well I have a, a very winding interesting path that brought me to where I am today I I worked as a therapist with foster kids and their families and some biological families for 20 years. And I knew when I was fresh out of graduate school in the first few weeks of working with these kids, I knew that I've been asked to come and work with the child. But as soon as I got in and looked around, I realized it's not the child who has the problem. It's the parent. Right. So I realized that my work isn't to be done with the child. The child is simply reacting to the environment that he or she is in. so I can do a lot more quote unquote work or make an impact, a bigger impact with a child. If I work on the parents or work with the parents to help them to create a more healthy, nourishing environment for the child, whether it's a biological or foster child to help them to thrive in that environment. And so yeah. I did that for years and years and years and I worked with a particular grandmother who was raising her grandson after her own son his father died of a drug overdose and I worked with her for 2 years and it sucked the life out of me because she was so um I'm just going to say hard-headed old school refused to listen to anything I had to say or even consider it and she would always go back to, well, I don't have to change anything with the way I raised him. Cause I raised three of my own and they kept wanting to say, well, how did that work for you? Let's look at the, let's look at where everything is. But, um, it was very, very frustrating. And I kind of had a little mini crisis and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know how much longer I can do this because I can't stand it anymore. And I don't know what to do because working with families and parents is all I've ever wanted to do since I was 11 years old. So then I started thinking, maybe I need a new career. Maybe I need to, I don't know what else could I do, but how can I do anything else because it's all I've ever wanted to do. So then I ended up in a very interesting conversation with a psychologist that I know. And she said, instead of doing like, aren't you burned out working? in the field that you're in. And I said, yes, so burned out. I think I need a new career. And she said, instead of a new career, why don't you work with a different population? And it was like the light bulb went on. And so I went home immediately and I did this exhaustive search of, of different, um, master's programs, PhD programs, side programs in line on per in person, close, far, it didn't matter. And nothing was really jumping out at me. And then I saw this post on Facebook that caught my eye of a poster and I clicked through to see whose page it was. And the person said he was a parent coach and it was like that heavens opened up and the angels started (laughs) singing. And I said, I have to be a parent coach. I don't even know what that is, but that's what I have to do. And So I went to the man's website and he didn't list where he had gone or how he, what his schooling was. So, Going back to Zen parenting radio, I'd been listening to Todd and Kathy for about a year at that point. And I remembered very way in the beginning, she mentioned that she was a parent coach. So I went to Kathy's website and I saw where she went. And then I immediately looked up that school, the PCI, and I got immediately a phone conversation with the founder of the PCI filled out the application. And I started about two weeks later.
1: Wow. Um, that's a great. That's a great story. Um, how did you know at eleven years old, by the way, that you wanted to work with families?
0: <sighs>
2: I wish I had a more interesting answer than <laughs> I just woke up one day and I knew it. I just absolutely knew. I mean, I had a really, I was blessed with a really great relationship with my parents, mm-hmm. and so I knew that other people didn't necessarily have what I had, and yeah. I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great? If everybody could grow up like I am, if everybody could like feel comfortable and close with their parents and feel like they could talk to them, wouldn't that be cool?
1: Yeah, if everyone so, had that sense of safety, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sue, do you have, do you have a similar story? I mean, did what uh, what what brought you there? Did you know at a young age that this is the kind of thing you wanted to do, or is this something that kind of evolved over time as your girls got older?
0: You know, actually, I always wanted to be a family therapist. Mm. And, um, you know without getting into my family too much um, <laughs> I think that you know I saw dysfunction in many areas um, as I was growing up and I wanted to be a family therapist but when I graduated college I really didn't have the, uh, the interest in starting back in school right away so I think through you know through my life and what kind of was speaking to me with my own situations my own family um parent coaching just jumped out and it actually jumped out i'd never heard of it before in an environment i was in somebody mentioned that you can hire a parent coach and i remember my husband sitting next to me and i pretty much knocked him off the chair and i said that's what i want to do <laughs> and i had already been in a few careers, i'd already had a career and semi retired so it was like you know starting up a n- new career um, one filled with incredible passion though. And so, you know, I just, the heat in my body was enough to propel me out of my chair and, you know, start the research. So.
1: I love the passion that both of you have for this, um, for this work. Do you, um, do you ever find it particularly challenging? Like I'm thinking about a few families that I work with, um, and Aaron, you were talking a moment ago about engaging that, that grandparent, and, you know, um, sometimes trying to engage parents and, um, and and letting them know while the issue lies in you and and that's not bad news because the power to change also lies in you as well and maybe there's something really joyful on the back end of all of that if you're willing to make the change and take some accountability for your role in whatever's going on in your family but boy i i hit a lot of resistance with that i hit a lot of like you know no my daughter's just got to get her head on straight this isn't how i was parented you know like um and, you know, I, I literally had that conversation this week with, with, with a, a dad who is super resistant. How do, you guys, how do you guys manage that? And, you know, do you think it's a problem?
0: I actually have experienced um, some resistance. And I, I have had quite a few couples that I have been working with. And um, just in my, you know, recent experience, um, and I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, true for both sides, but this is just my experience. I've had a few dads. Along the way, who have really put up a wall. Uh, you know, they want coaching. They want to, things to change in their family, but they really don't take responsibility for what they could bring to the table. And so, you know, I can remember the first few weeks of coaching, thinking, you know, work harder, Sue. Work different, Sue. Be more creative, Sue. You know, you're going to get there. And. Um, And you know, you don't want to. For me, as a coach, and I think Aaron probably would agree. You know, we're not trying to come right out and say to the you know to the person, "Hey, you know, you're the problem here." Mm -hmm. Um, But to bring them around so they say, you know, this is really about me. And so, you know, fourth or fifth week, usually fourth week, with some of these more challenging um, parents that I've dealt with, the father has you know come on board with the fact that you really think that I need to do some shifting and changing, and light bulbs go off and they start to take more ownership and so it really shifts the whole process in coaching to uh to one of accountability right on, you know, on their end and again as you know aaron beautifully said it's it's not about the children the children's spirits are just fine if we allow them you know to grow and thrive in a way that best suits them so uh it's you know i've, I've had a few challenges big challenges and i think after moving through them I'm delighted to have those challenges because it really raises my game to a different level and brings me so much more satisfaction to be able to help those children as well as those parents, you know, indirectly the children.
1: Yes. Um, it's, so you bring up a couple of things that I want to I, uh, hear you guys talk about because in, in speaking to you in the past, one thing I love is this honoring of a child's journey. And want I want to hear you talk about that. But you bring up something, Sue, that, that, that kind of uh, I, I feel like is almost an elephant in the room in a lot of um, my podcasts when I talk in public, um, that there is a distinct difference between the participation in parenting as a verb between moms and dads, between parents. Um, do you find either do you find that, that uh, fathers, by and large, are more difficult or difficult to engage or not even part of the process, because I'll be honest, I I run into that sometimes where, you know, dad just isn't, he's not in this room. He's not um, at the talk that I'm giving. um, And normally mom is a conduit saying, you know, like, read this book, or here's what I learned when I went to the therapist or the coach. Do you guys run into a difference gender wise?
2: I would definitely say that is the case. And I, I think we could talk for hours about the man, the masculinity issue, you know, yeah. um, I know that Todd Adams does a lot of work with the, the men's, I think it's called the good men, good man project.
1: Yeah. Mankind project. That.
2: The mankind project. Yes, Thank yes. you. Um, I think that's a conversation that needs to keep happening. I think men wear a lot of masks in society and they're, they're socialized from a very young age. I mean, you can speak to this better than I can. Um, <laughs> they're socialized from a very young age to shut down that more feminine side and not to feel their emotions and not to express it because that shows weakness. And I think that, you know, I think it's healthy for a man to have permission and to feel that it's okay to let their feminine side come out because, or, or be expressed. Because I believe that a healthy balance of masculine and feminine, you know, women get beat down or, you know, judged if they're too masculine. Right. So, you know, women need to have the freedom to express their masculinity and men need to have the freedom to express their femininity. Because I think a balance is what what we need in ourselves and on this planet. There's a real imbalance. And I think bringing that balance back or... You know bringing it to the to the planet is going to be healthy for all of
1: us that's, that's such a really great point and i think one that's understated is not only do men need to um have the liberty and and allow themselves the liberty of expressing their feminine side without shame but women need to be able to express their masculine side without shame and um and I think this is an interesting year. We we don't have to get into the reasons why you know, politically maybe there's there's some uh, implications there. But that's a, that's a really, really sound point. And, and perhaps like meeting in the middle somewhere um, is where we model best for our kids. Um, so talk to me about honoring the journey of a child, you know, um, because I think a lot of parents, especially now, because I think it's tough to be a parent, as you were saying, Sue, um, want to kind of drive the narrative of where our children are heading. Um, and I think it's very difficult for parents to sit back and, and trust that this is heading in a place that's going to be safe and good for our kids and, um, not just fulfilling, but also going to make us look good as parents. I think, you know, Um, would you mind speaking to that?
0: Sure. I, I think, you know, from, from my experience and what I see globally in the work that we do, um, you know, we're, we're all conditioned from very young ages. And, you know, so we're our parents and the conditioning just goes on and on until we break that cycle. But part of that conditioning is that, you know, we're leading the path. We're directing the show instead of, you know, allowing a child to be on their own journey and walking beside them and making footprints. What I like to say is making footprints in the sand together, you know, at the same pace, instead of the child behind, you know, we're leading the child, we're pulling the child, we're walking together as equal partners in the parent-child relationship, and really creating a safe space for our children to be who they are without, without our ego, you know, in place, directing the show. So they make us proud. Uh, they go to a school that we want them to go to. They are on the teams that we want them to be on. They're they're doing all the sports that we did because that's that's what's important. And following our dreams. And as parents do that, and, and I was one of them years ago, we're squashing the spirit of the child, number one. And will we ever be able to find that spirit again? Once we squash it, how do we reconnect to that spirit? And so um, I think ego is one of the biggest problems and I think fear is the second biggest problem is, you know, and, and I have parents, you know, they're working with now that fear is how they were conditioned and their parents were very fearful and the, you know, the grandparents are fearful and there's so much talk about what if you don't, you know, if you don't do this and you don't do that, then you're not going to be here, here and here and, you know, all those next steps. Right. And so, Uh, Some of the fear I hear is, you know, if they don't get A's in, you know, fifth grade and they're not doing well and studying and have great studying skills, you know, they're going to be a bad person at 50 or, you know, live in the basement at 25 or never going to get out from underneath my roof. And we're, you know, we're not even in the here and now at that point. We've gone so far away from where we are today that we can't see the forest through the trees. Right. So there's such a different way that we can support our children. And, you know, I think through our practice and coaching, um, and I'm sure all that you do as well, supporting, teaching parents how to support their children in a different way, in a more conscious way, in a more thoughtful way, um, empowering the children to really rise and grow by creating the proper conditions for each child.
1: Yeah, no, I love that. Do, do you find it difficult, um, Aaron, to to navigate um, a parent's fear? You know that 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 always feels like kind of like um, kind of trying to to blast through concrete to me sometimes because just because of what you're describing, Sue, that the, that you know like um, there is this um, catastrophic worry I think that some parents carry that you know like wow if we don't engage in a massive way if our if our kids aren't plugged in in fifth grade if they're not involved in a bunch of activities and doing well on standardized tests at a very young age, man, we're really, we might be heading down a really, really terrible path. And, you know, when you're ruled by that kind of fear, I find it very difficult to get a parent to relax that and trust that, you know, you're a pretty good parent. So you can trust yourself as a parent and you can trust your kids to work through the process. Um, How do you, how do you coach a parent through that?
2: Well, Uh, I have a couple of points that I want to make in response to your question. First of all, and this kind of ties back to what we were saying earlier, um, about the dads and just parents in general. Mm -hmm. I think that this type of parenting is a paradigm shift. It's a shift from seeing that your child, not as lesser than you as the parent, but more like your equal. And this brings in a lot of Dr. Shafali's work in the conscious parenting right. uh, realm, but really seeing your child as your equal and as much your teacher as someone who's come here to be taught by you and you both learn, learn and grow from each other. So making that shift can be very difficult for some and very easy for others. Yes. And I think we have to be very mindful as, coaches or therapists or any kind of helping profession of where we sense that that person is in that, in that spectrum or that continuum, because whereas some one parent might be able to leap from one to 0.8, and that's awesome for that family and that parent, another parent might only be able to go from 0.5 to one. And and if, if that's all they can do, we have to celebrate that. Because yeah. every little incremental baby step is a little bit better than it was before they came.
1: Well, I'm I'm gonna ask you to just pause for a moment there because I want our listeners to really consider that idea that, you know, um our children are our equals and our teachers as well, you know, because I think this is something that gets lost in parenting all the time. So I, I appreciate you you bringing that up and it sounds like it sounds like there's another point you want to make here
2: yes in terms of blasting through the fear Mm. i think you know what i was just saying kind of plays into it also sometimes naming the fear can help a parent just to just to name it and just to see it for what it is can help that big monster that's looming behind us kind of shrink because it's like shine. It's like our shadow, right? It's kind of like when we shine the flashlight into that dark corner of our mind, it's not so dark anymore. So just shining some light on that fear sometimes can make it shrink in its enormity for yes. a parent. Yes. Yeah. And, and also I think that, um, one of the things we also teach parents or help them to try to understand is that fear takes you backwards or forwards it takes you into the past or it takes you into the future so you're worried about what's going to happen you know fear can take you from your five-year-old who doesn't want to do their kindergarten homework launch you forward 20 years to when your child's 25 and they're going to be illiterate they're not going to have a job and they're going to live on your couch or be homeless
1: right (laughs) right
2: (laughs) It's crazy, right? But this is what fear does to us as parents. Or it can launch you backwards where you're ruminating over whatever happened yesterday or last week. But both of those things take you out of the present moment, which is where you really want to be with your child, because that's where the connection is. That's where the seeing them for who they are and seeing their real spirit, that's where that exists. It doesn't exist yesterday or tomorrow. So once they start to understand that concept of what power fear has on us, and then we start to look at fear from a um, maybe like a more curious perspective. Hmm, I wonder
1: at a level, yeah, looking from the outside in, having a look at your fear.
2: Yeah, like what, yeah. what's fear? How is fear showing up for me? Not from a shameful perspective or a anything like that. Just where where might that be showing up in my life and then once you can identify that and shine the light on it then you can talk about it in a in a uh, maybe a less fearful way because we've already shined the light and brought it down a little bit
1: I love the way the two of you are talking about parenting because um, we're talking about um, some of the flaws I think of parenting where our fear and our egos come into play and yet I, I like this idea of of with extracting shame from the formula, right? and and really, I, I like the word curiosity, you know, over over shame, and you know, so that parents can can really, instead of judging themselves, which I think we also tend to do as parents pretty frequently, um we can kind of just be curious about the process and take it from where we are. and um, and I like the gauges, Aaron. I like the idea that, you know, like, and that might mean, Uh, the shift you want to make or that you need to make now is just a little step from 0.5 to one, or it can be, you know, maybe you're in a spot where you can take an enormous step and either one of those works and whatever brings you kind of to more present conscious. I like, I I like some of the language you use, more conscious parenting, um, the better off we are.
2: And the better off our kids are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, in in the name of kind of attending to language um, building connected communities you know like i i I think we come by some of our titles and things very deliberately um how how did we come up with that and why why is that our phrase? why is that important to us
0: well that's a, that's a great question um,
1: so <laughs> that had to be a meeting yes <laughs> you
0: know, a meeting not necessarily uh, okay just to kind of shed a little light on you know how how that all began just very briefly uh, last fall because this company is not a year old yet last fall aaron and i had massive amount of workshops where we we're out <laughs> speaking uh at all sorts of you know different organizations schools uh book clubs etc and i can remember us saying to each other my gosh you know we're talking about connection and spending time with kids and We were out more than we were in. And, you know, we looked at our calendars and we were like, holy cow, you know, how is this happening? But our passion, even though we're very committed to our families, was to try to make a difference in the world. And we were doing that, you know, hook, line, and sinker as many days and nights as we possibly could put in. And that's when we both kind of realized at the same time, um, because we're like-minded, so (laughs) the light bulb seems to go off at the same time. That we needed to do something much bigger on a broader scale in order to bring change about in this world. And we, um, and that's where building connected communities really came from. And, I, you know, we really didn't have a meeting of the mind in terms of the name. It just kind of struck us, it stuck, it was available, it and showed up. it showed up. And we never, you know, just like the universe spoke to us that this is what we needed to do, we never stopped once and said to each other ourselves, um, what are we doing? (laughs) You know, (laughs) are we able to do this? And is this, you know, is this going to be something that there was no stopping? The energy was full force ahead. And it's been that way since, you know, since we got out of school, actually. Um, but as far as building connected communities or BCC, as we call ourselves, um, you know, we, we were very interested in creating something globally, where we bring conscious minded, You know, very aware thought leaders together who are in helping fields all over the world to help individuals or families um, make a difference. So, you know, we have, as part of our community, as part of our membership, um, health coaches, life coaches, parent coaches, holistic healers, uh, therapists, counselors, social workers. Um, I think that's, you know, that's basically describing the majority of our members and so we're supporting them all over the world with our membership i don't know aaron if you want to add on to what that looks like going forward we'd love to balance sharing our story (laughs) yeah please
2: i would love to uh i have to take a quick second to brag a little bit here we are in bcc is in six continents already
1: come on yes (laughs) <laughs> oh man, that, that, that seems like one of those ideas that time has come. That's amazing. Yes, that's a, that's a worthwhile brag.
2: Thank you. And one of the other things that we were hearing as we were establishing our own parent coaching practices and doing our workshops together and stuff, one of the things that we heard, well, a couple of the things that we heard over and over when we would kind of connect, you know, through social media or what have you with people doing similar work in the world and when they found out how we worked and we worked together they would say almost across the board i am so envious of what you guys have i wish i had my tribe i wish i had colleagues i wish i had someone to bounce ideas off of to collaborate with to work with but i feel like i'm doing this work in isolation and many of many of these kinds of people work from home right And so you don't drive to the office and have a bunch of coworkers and stand around the water cooler. You just do your work and they felt very lonely. And then when they found out about all the different workshops that we have created for parents and teachers, they would say, oh, I wish I had what you guys have. Oh, I have all these ideas, but I don't know how to make a presentation with them or I don't know the technology or whatever other barriers they were facing. And we realized that we had been able to answer or fill in those gaps for ourselves working together. Sue and I balance each other very, very well. We have very different strengths. So she fills in my gaps, I fill in hers, and together we make a big, complete person. So that's a good thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's an amazing thing actually, isn't it?
2: Yeah, so now what we do with BCC is we take all that we know that we've learned and we share it with our tribe. And then if there's something that's an area of expertise that they need that we don't have, we go right out and connect with the leading expert in that field and bring that person in and say, help us. This is what we need, share your expertise with us. And people are so, so incredibly generous with their time and their wisdom. It continually floors me at how wonderful people are.
1: Well, that's, um, Feels so synergistic to hear you describe it that you know, um, and I do. I, I get what you mean. I think there are a lot of professionals and and people trying to reach out and help families that are working in isolation. And right to know that there's this group that you that you're creating and building and growing over time. That's there as the support underneath them. My gosh, like how invaluable. And it strikes me that there's. A little bit of a parallel process going on here, where you're building this connected community, um, this network of people who are there to help these families. You know, families across continents, you know, across the world. Um, and in the meantime, on a more micro level, you're here and you're you're helping kind of these families one by one by one. And it, it sounds like it sounds like building connected communities has more than one potential meaning in a way.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, and we we also are out there building connected communities at schools because every school is a community, every classroom is a community, you know, in and of itself, and we're really bringing recognition to what community is all about. Um, I think in many ways we've moved from community. Um, Even our families can, you know, every family could be part of a community. We talked to a gentleman in Australia, uh, I believe it was yesterday. Um, that you know, we talked a lot about how people need communities to raise children these days. So you know, when we talk to school districts, talk to their parents, talk to their teachers um, about you know consciousness and mindfulness in the classroom, or you know raising children in a different way, or some educational process, the, the other part of that picture, on a you know a micro level, is also to bring the idea of connection with others to raise your children because again as you mentioned earlier, you know, the shame, the judgment, there's so much of that that people are worried about and fear that if you share, you know, some way that you may have felt like you made an error with your child or done something that you didn't really feel strongly about after the fact, you might be afraid to share that with your, you know, tribe, so to speak. Right. That's not helpful. You know, we we all are doing things, you know, day in and day out that, you know, some are really positive and we feel strongly about, and some we think, oh, that was a knee-jerk reaction. You know, I wish I hadn't said that. And so being able to take ownership of those things, admit them, work with others, we all need each other. And, you know, so this goes on a local level, it goes on a national level, and certainly a global level. And I think in all of our work, in working with individual families, school districts, Um, social service organizations, and anywhere else we speak, as well as all our members, you know, having that tribe, having that sense of community is of utmost importance.
1: I I can't think of more important work to do than the work the two of you do. I mean, and I mean that sincerely. Um, And it it feels a little bit... um, like a revolution to me like this kind of like peaceful revolution (laughs) that you have going here um and i'm not surprised that even in in a year it's it's gained you know enormous kind of global momentum it's it's so heartening in a way to hear that and i love the idea that parents are out there and get getting this message that you know none of this has to happen in isolation or in shame but you know like if you're struggling bring it out here let's talk about it let's all work it through where you know nobody's alone in any of this you know and um and so community feels like you know the the main thrust of um of your work and it seems crucial at this point in time do you get any pushback in any way do, do you feel do you feel only support or do you ever is there anybody who you know kind of pushes back and says you know this this isn't such a great idea or You know um what happens in this house stays in this house kind of thing this old uh, and is there old school thinking that still lingers out there as far as as your as your experience shows
2: i think that um i guess i'll go to the law of attraction on this one i think that we attract people who are intrigued by what we do or curious or flat out like it yeah and it feels right and it resonates with them I am sure, I am sure that there are I'm a hundred percent sure that there are old school people who want to do it the way it's always been done and they're not changing and it, it worked for them and they turned out good enough and their kids will turn out good enough and whatever. Why should I waste my time on this? I'm sure those people exist, but they're not drawn to us and You know, maybe if at some point they wake up one day and say, wait, now suddenly for some reason I'm curious about that, I want to go look into it, then they will come to us. We don't seek them out because again, getting back to, you know, if you're at, if you're at 0.0, you may or may not be ready to leap to point eight, and you can stay at 0 or 1, whatever. The we cannot change anyone. All we can do is share what we think or what we've experienced or what we believe. And then it's up to each individual to do with that what they will do.
1: That's perfect. That's perfect. Well, um, in the, I know there are communities to be built right now, so I, I want to be um, I want to be cognizant of your time, but I I also want to check in with one final question: Is there is there an element of your work or of your message that we haven't touched on that you feel like is critical for people to hear? Hmm. Well, I have something
2: something that jumps right to mind, and it's only because it's recent, so Sue, I'll give you a chance to think about your answer to that while I I take a shot at it. Um, We did, this has really been on my mind all week, well, since we did our in-service a couple of days ago. We did a two-part in-service last week and this week with a group of teachers, wonderful group of teachers, and last week, we left them with a homework assignment to just choose one of the things that we talked about in part one and, and implement it over this week, this last week. And then when we gathered back together, we wanted to hear how it went, if it worked, if they used it, whatever. And so this one woman, before we started, brought up these note cards to us. And she said she'd been doing a two-minute mindfulness time after lunch and recess with our class. And at the she, she tried a couple different things like putting their heads on their desks with the, uh, the lights off and the mute, soft music and then laying on the floor in whatever position they wanted. And at the end of the week, she did it every day. And at the end of the week, she had them fill out note cards to say, did you like it, did you not? What did you like about it? Did it help you, did it not help you? And across the board, Every single child, except for one, absolutely loved it.
0: Mm.
2: The one boy who had anything other than glowing praise for it said he didn't feel that his brain needed a rest at 1pm. So I don't even call that negative feedback.
0: No, right.
2: Maybe he was wide awake at 1pm, and he was good. But the other kids across the board said, it helped me feel calm, it helped me relax. It helped to it relieve the pressure. It helped to clear my mind. Another child said, It I wish every teacher would do this. Wow. Another child said, I love this two minute break. It is the highlight of my day.
1: My gosh, that's amazing.
2: And these kids were in third grade.
1: Wow. Go ahead, please.
2: If we can teach kids either at home as parents or in the classroom as teachers, this one tiny little tool, this one little thing to calm their minds. And at eight years old, they already understand it. That that they can shut out the pressure of the outside world just by giving themselves two minutes of quiet. If we can teach this to them now, as parents or teachers or coaches. Imagine the impact that could have on their whole life because of all the stress that all of us are confronted with on a daily basis. Oh my goodness, it's mind boggling.
1: That, that is a beautiful story. I, I, I there, We could talk about that story for hours because it's like <laughs> there's so many elements of that I love. Um, and you're right. I, the the legs. I mean that that it will have for the that group of children, um, in such a noisy world with all the screens and all the pressures and you know socially and academically and in their families and otherwise, and to take a two minute break, two minute break, and you know how a day could change their lives. And I also love that they were third graders. That that you know like. Um, I think sometimes we underestimate the wisdom a, a child can accumulate in eight short years, you know, and sometimes they trump us, you know, and, and so, you know, like in a way I'm literally, as you're speaking, Aaron, I'm thinking I should take two minutes when we're done, you know, cause that's pretty good. Like, you know. So maybe when we're done, I mean, I'm just to breathe and just relax for a couple of minutes. It's, yes. brilliant. it's brilliant. Um, so thank you for that. That's a great, powerful story. Um, and powerful and peaceful at the same time. So thank you. Um, Sue, any thoughts?
0: Well, if I could just add on a snippet uh, to that story, one is, you know, we were blown away when she shared that with us as to how powerful it was. Um, and secondly, um, I had met with a guidance counselor as well in that school, kind of in between our part one and part two. And she shared that they're trying to bring these types of things to the kindergarten and you know, I think again, as we continue to do our work throughout the world and talking to all these helping professionals that are doing such valuable things in their own communities, in their own uh, countries, you know, and, and uh, areas that they work in, is bringing more of this type of thing of the basic steps to teach children and parents, because parents and teachers, anyone, everyone, you know, all human beings, on how to relax their mind, relax their body. And I believe in the work that we're doing, it's part of coaching, it's part of self-care, it's part of the education process to teach people that when you learn how to settle yourself and settle your mind at very young ages or, you know, really any age, that what you're doing for yourself couldn't be more beneficial in your own life. And so, you know, we have a lot of adults walking around this world that don't know this. And so... If we, you know, as professionals, all of BCC, everybody we connect with, bring this to the adults as well as the children, it spreads. You know, it will spread. It's it's just like spreading gratitude or you know, a smile. Um, yeah. So we hope that you know the contagious nature of that will continue to snowball in in helping everyone all over the world because if the adults aren't peaceful we can teach our children too, but they're going home maybe where it might not be a peaceful environment because no one is taking care of themselves. So we really need to hit the world on all levels <laughs> every way we can. And, you know, it's not a small task, but, you know, Aaron and I, I'm speaking for you again, Aaron, you know, we feel quite up to it. And uh, all our members who are very much, you know, on board with this mission of supporting um joining forces and really contributing in every way shape and form to to all that we do in this mission all over the world
1: that's uh, just beautiful closing closing words and thank you and i love this idea that you know like we model for each other and it can go it can go between generations and between communities and between continents even you know it's just it it does boggle the mind it is mighty mighty work um and I am so grateful to the two of you for doing it. Um, Sue and Aaron, if somebody listening wants to reach out to you, how do they find you? Um, you know, how do they um, use your services if they want them?
2: Well, we are all over social media. We are building this is true. The, <laughs> right. We are building <laughs> connected communities on Facebook, BC communities on Instagram. Um, our website is buildingconnectedcommunities.com, and anyone could send us an email to the attention of info at
1: Wonderful. Thank you both once again for joining me and for the mighty, mighty work that you do for communities everywhere now and for children everywhere. Um, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you.
1: You can find this podcast online at iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, liveleadplay.com, which is affiliated with IPEC Coaching School, and WGN+. On my website, there's a free parenting program, uh, drjohnduffy.com. If you are a parent, I strongly encourage you to check that out. Uh, some really good ideas there. Um, if you have thoughts or ideas... For this podcast, or if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, uh, please email me at johngduffy at drjohnduffy.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the Undo Anxiety Podcast.